Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. We thank you, Father, for the time and the space just to pause, to set our hearts, our minds, our spirits towards you. We pray that in this time that we might continue to listen for you, to wait for you, to hear from you. May we be reminded of your love for us and your desire for us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. If you're watching online for the first time or if you're new amongst us or you're seeking out who Jesus is or what the church is, we do want to welcome you and we're uh, grateful that you've joined us and we hope that you, uh, I guess, get something from uh, this message and encouraged and uh, a little bit excited and awakened. And if you're a regular amongst us, if this is a common practice for you on a Sunday morning, whether online or in person, as always, we hope that you have something stirring in you as well and that God um, speaks to you in a powerful way. Uh, when I first started as a mechanic back in 19... What, what year was that? 88, I think it was. Whew. 1988, I first started my apprenticeship as a mechanic. Uh, this guy's a bit soft. They wear, must wear gloves now, mechanics. When I was a mechanic, we washed our hands. Um, but um, Sorry to all mechanics. Do you wear gloves, Mick? No, you wear... Yeah, okay, Tim's not here. Um, wonder if Tim wears gloves. Any other mechanics in the building? No? Okay, all right. Um, Sidetrack. Come back. Uh, so there's a lot of details of the mechanic that uh, if you haven't grown up working on cars and, um, you know, I've got a lot of mates who worked on cars and drove cars around paddocks and worked on engines and all those kind of things. I wasn't one of those people and somehow I landed this apprenticeship as a uh, motor mechanic, now known as a technician. Um, I don't know why. Um, but all the details seem really overwhelming. A- even the details that uh, I was always amazed for the first few months of my apprenticeship that I'd be working with one of the other mechanics, the qualified mechanics or technicians there, and they would say to me, uh, Simon, go get a, a 10 millimeter socket or spanner. They'd just look at the bolt and they'd know what size tool they needed. And I just thought that was amazing. It's just incredible to think that they could look at this small head of a bolt and say, I know what tool I need. I know exactly what size that will be. I know the tool to go and get it, and I'd be able to get that done. And I, for when I first started as a mechanic, and I'd be scrounging through, I'd be checking all the sizes, look, because it's all written on the side. I'd be picking up each socket, each spanner, if I got the right size. And I thought, how am I ever going to learn this? It just seems so overwhelming. I didn't think I would ever be able to do it. The reality is through practice, through experience, and through training, through trial and error even, I was eventually, or within a space of a few months, able to identify what was needed. So I became one of those people that I'd look at the bolt or the the particular um, screw that was there in the car or the engine and taking things apart and putting them back together. And I'd go, yep, I know what I need. I need the 10 millimeter or the 14 millimeter or the whatever size it was. And I'd just go to my toolbox and I'd be able to pick it up blind and go and do the job. It's a learnt skill. 
Uh, it also didn't take long to lose that skill. So now if I'm at home, uh, you know, I didn't need that skill anymore. Uh, still don't need that skill. Uh, I stopped working on the habit. I stopped working on that skill. So now if I'm at home and I've got a job around the house, I just go get the whole set and I take it with me. And if, if I think that's going to be concerning or if that might not get the job done, I take a screwdriver and a hammer. And if that won't get the job done, maybe the shifter will work. So, I mean, I... I take a whole collection of things with me now just in case because it's a long way to walk from my backyard back door to the shed <clears throat> and it's a nuisance but have you ever been watching people do something and participate on something and watch a skill that they've refined and learned and you and you how did you do that and they just look at you dumbfounded and they go I don't know I just do and I'm sure we've all come across people who just, they've practiced this skill, they've refined this skill, they've developed this habit in this skill, and it's become, if you like, an unconscious response. Not a thoughtless response, not a careless response, an unconscious one. They just know what's needed at the right time. They know how to move things and shape things according to the skill and their habits. They've grown in their understanding. They've grown in maturity. They've learned from others. They've learned from the skills. They've developed habits. They've applied shared wisdom and learnt wisdom. And so now they have this unconscious response. And I want to suggest to you, uh, as we finish off our, uh, come towards the end of our series, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, that it's actually no different in our relationship with Jesus. It takes effort, it takes energy, it takes commitment, and it takes shared learning, applied learning, applied community wisdom so that we can personally participate in this relationship. Because one of the things that we've wanted to do and highlight over the course of these few weeks is that we want to, everything we do, we want to be grounded and centred and nurtured and fed and watered out of our relationship with Jesus. But we often get distracted. So I want to offer today what has historically been called the rule of life. Now, some of you will hear those words, the rule of life, and we go, ah, here's, here we go. Here's the, here's the tech box. Here's the things that I can say I'm a successful Christian. No, no, it's not what it's about. Uh, Pete Scazzaro says this, the rule of life, very simply, is an intentional conscious plan to keep God at the centre of everything we do. It provides guidelines to help us continually remember God as the source of our lives. The starting point and foundation of any rule is a desire to be with God and to love Him. It is a call to order. This is perhaps where we're okay with that first section. Most of us can go, yeah. That's right. If we're a follower of Jesus in any way, shape or form, we'd all look at that and go, Duh. that's exactly what we think. This is where we get stuck. It is a call to order our entire life in such a way that the love of Christ comes before all else. That's where we get stuck. That's the greatest challenge we have. That's the greatest sticking point. And I would argue it's become a more significant sticking point over the last couple of years. Consider this, if you like, a trellis. Something to help guide and direct. If you need plants to grow a particular way and it's a climbing plant, you don't just stick it in the ground. Because if you stick a climbing plant in the ground, it will probably just die off. 
It won't reach its full potential. The purpose of a climbing plant is to grow and create shape and create form, much like you and I. We're meant to grow. The work of being built has been completed in the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, but we are still being built into his spiritual house. And that means some work personally and as community. The challenge that we have is ordering our lives personally and then as a community completely around Jesus. So if you're new to faith or if you're younger in faith and not sure how to do this, we hope to get there shortly or we'll get there shortly. But maybe if you're struggling in your relationship with Jesus and as part of the community of faith, um, I want to offer some things today that I hope will change our perspective, will change our relationship with God if we persist. If we persist. If we believe what we've sung, that God is good, that he never leaves us, all those kind of things... It requires that we persist, that we develop perseverance so that we might know hope. And I want to ask, ask for God's guidance. It might not be everything, it might be one or two things, but, and learn from the wisdom and experience of others. So we need to recapture and re- get re-energised around this sense of community and sharing and learning from one another. Being, what does it mean to be a village? Because we've kind of built the boundaries of our homes and we've established the boundaries and we've established the boundaries of our relationships. And even in our relationships and friendships, we've been friends for a long time. There's some conversations that we'll refuse to have because it's none of your business. Actually. (laughs) And if you're not sure about this, go and ask someone how their budget is. Hey, you think I'm joking. Go and ask your closest friends how their budget is ordered around Christ and see how open our conversation is. Now, if you're new here or this is the first time, stay with me. It's okay. I'm not asking for your money. I'm just challenging the regulars. Proverbs 16.3 says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do and he will establish your plans. I think we struggle with this. If I come to Jesus and I pray, God, this is what I really want to happen, he'll make it happen. More significantly over the last few years, I've been increasingly concerned because I hear a lot of Christians saying to me, Oh, God has put everything in place, therefore it must be his will. Like, it might be. Maybe God's done that. I I can't, I have not yet found the story in Scripture where that's the reality for any of our Christian heroes. Actually, God might want to do more through us through the hardships and the challenges and the suffering and the pain. But we tend to disconnect from God in those moments. We want everything aligned. This is actually saying, all right, God, this is what I've got in mind. This is what I want to do. This is what I'm thinking, God. But I want to walk in step with you. So I'm willing to lay that down if that's not of you so that I might walk where you want me to walk. That's somewhat of a different establishment of plans, isn't it? 
And this, this verse came back to me. I know we've used this verse a couple of times. Uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. Uh, come to me. Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The message puts this, come away with me, walk with me, learn from me, and you will find rest. I mean, that's, that's an incredibly beautiful gift. And it's a great gift to be able to say in the midst of hardship, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of pain, I can still know my rest in Jesus. Because I've ordered my whole life around him first. And that wearing the yoke of Jesus, what we need to understand is that being followers of Jesus doesn't give me the freedom to do whatever I want. Because actually I'm aligned, I'm in step. I'm wearing a personally made yoke that directs my steps with Jesus. I'm wearing something that um, identifies with me, that understands my personality, that understands my particular character and gets me in step with Jesus just as much as other people are getting in step with Jesus. So it's ordering all our lives in Jesus before everything. And this... This is, it requires sacrifice. It requires sacrifices of bringing our finances to Jesus. It requires sacrifices of bringing our friendships to Jesus. It requires sacrifice of bringing our careers to Jesus. It requires sacrifice of bringing our families to Jesus. It requires sacrifice, just in case you haven't yet got it, across every area of life. Every area. Our health. It is learning to be content, knowing who I am in Christ and living out of his love and knowing that is the greater reward. Because our culture will say, do what you want, get what you want, have what you want, when you want, put it on credit, hang the consequences, don't worry about the damage that you cause or what you leave behind because it's all about you. And we're in need of a revolution. And we're in need of a revolution. The Christians are in need of a revolution. <laughs> Sadly, we're meant to be the people who are distinctive. So how do we commit ourselves to God? How do we commit ourselves to the Lord so that he will establish our ways? How do we learn from Jesus? What will sustain, strengthen, and empower us and encourage us to live counterculturally? Not in a way that condemns, but that lives distinctively. And what work needs to be done in us so that our relationships bear the image of Jesus? So as I said, this is about community. This can be done in community, in worship, in prayer, in care, in giving, in serving, in relationships. And it can be done, and also needs to be done in the personal work, in the quiet space, in the stillness, in the solitude. Because my suspicion over the last eight weeks is that every time... We've had silence at the start and the end of our message. There'll be some people who go, because we don't like it, because we're not used to it. 
Because we've got to constantly be doing something. And often it comes out of our own pain, our own fears. So how do we organise this? Well, here we go. Here's, here's what uh, the rule of life suggests, the trellis, the framework. <clears throat> um, are you ready for this or not? Too bad if you're not. Um, so there's, there's a few key areas. So there's our rest, there's our work, act, and our work or activity, there's relationships, and there's prayer. Um, who do I want to get? Did you see anyone? Who, who stands out? Um, I don't know. Mm. Daniel's shaking his head at me. Sorry? I've already dumped Mick Smith in it. He doesn't want to be dumped in it twice. Caitlin Emerson. Um. Hey, just come up, stand here and look good for a minute. Oh, Kirsty, you can come up too. Yeah, I'll get you up too. Won't get you up. Thomas. Hello. Now, all right. You're excited about this, aren't you? Got a competition for you. No, no, I haven't. No, I haven't. It's not a competition, all right? Okay. So, um, I want you to... Uh, You're, you, this represents work, activity, ministry, serving, okay? So safe COVID bubble, hold on to that as well, all right? Come over here. All right, so this, these are the things that um, we, we might do. You know, some, of it, some of it's about our work, the work that we get paid for. It also might be uh, some of the ministry or the ways that we serve. Um, now, this, this, is, this is what Kirsty represents, Okay. Caitlin, um, relationships. I've got something special for relationships. I'm not touching that. <laughs> yes, you are. Who do you You're an Essence supporter, aren't you? No. no, who do you follow? Geelong. Oh, Geelong. <laughs> Don't clap that. Someone saw the cup up here and threatened to bring their Geelong cup, and I suggested it might have got broken. My platform. Um, <laughs> that's terrible. Completely. This is God's platform. <laughs> um, what, uh, what have I got left? So where, uh, you can be rest. Look, I've got something special for you. You like this? Yeah, it is, mate. All right. All right. So there, there's the four elements. So Thomas, if you just go and stand over there for a sec for me, mate. Just, you know, not that I don't love you. So here's these four elements. Now, what happens is these three elements actually, sorry, they often live very independently from one another. Don't mess with me. Um, they often live very independently from each other. So we separate them. And we separate. I keep this over here. I keep my rest. It's all very personal. I mean, you know, some of it is. You know, I have very limited, you know, relationships and then my work over here and I keep it all separate. And then the thing that we do. Here, Thomas. Come and sit here, mate. For the next 20 minutes, you represent Jesus. All right. <laughs> Uh, 
Look at me, everyone, look at me. Look at me. All right. But this is what we do with Jesus too. We separate Jesus. So we separate these elements of our lives. And we keep them all very separate. Because they're all very distinct. So the rest might be, what are the, what are the things that refresh me? What are the things that renew me? What are the things that I enjoy doing in my Sabbath when I'm quiet? You know, I might watch a movie. I might read a good long book. Or I might, uh, you know, gardening or cooking might be restful for me. Those things, or sewing, those things that might renew me and restore me. The relationships, who are those people? Is that okay? Um, who are the, apart, you're right with the cup, are you? You're going okay? All right. Survive. Survive. The relationships are those people who I want to invest in and those people who are going to speak into me. All right. The relationships, what does it look like for my um, relationship with uh, Jesus? How does that inform and shape my relationships? And then my work and activity, how do I keep my work? Um, and what are the things that I want to do or give to? What are the things I need to do to grow? Maybe to, and this is not about, I mean, this is, represents all our life. But what I want to suggest to you is, what are the two or three things that we want to do every year or every month that will actually help us grow understanding that Jesus orders all of life. The sadness about this is that what we do is we keep Jesus over here. So and every now and then, I'm having trouble at work. So if you walk with me, is that all right? People feel like they're getting dragged. So they'll come over to Jesus and they'll go, I'm having trouble at work, Jesus, or I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why the people are doing this. Can you help solve this for me, Jesus? Can you fix this for me, Jesus? And then we come back over here. So if you just go back over there. And as long as Jesus somehow waves his magic wand, I didn't bring a magic wand for you, did I? No. And then we do the same thing with our relationships. And we move into Jesus. I'm really struggling with this relationship, Jesus. This doesn't seem fair. Can you fix this? Can you change them, Jesus? Because I'm okay. You know, now that's not necessarily bad. So if you step back and then we come here and we bring, we come over here and we bring our rest and Jesus, I'm so worn out. I'm so tired. It's exhausting. I wish there was something else I could do. And then we go back and just keep doing the stuff that we've normally done. To order Everything is actually, so Thomas, get stand up. I know this is a poor, this has got holes all over it. I understand that. We actually bring our rest to Jesus and we actually walk. I don't know how you're going to do this, mate. <laughs> Go and work that out. If we were patient with that, we would actually find a deeper sense of life a greater sense of rhythm and a greater sense of health in every aspect of our lives. But at some point, what we'll say then too is, no, actually work wants to go over that way and bring everyone, everyone come, everyone come, everyone come. And so work, and there's time where work needs to be dominant, yeah? Where we need to give energy to our work. Where we need to give energy to our ministry or to our serving. But there's a lot of time in our, particularly our, where this becomes the thing that drives all of this. 
And then we wonder why we're so tired all the time. Or our rest. Oh no, I just need time on my own. So everyone come back this way. Or my rest. I just need rest. I just need There's, man, if you haven't had enough time on your own the last two years to sustain you a lifetime, but then that dominates everything else. And not only that, but that actually, we become rested from Jesus. We move away from Jesus. We move away from other relationships and we become uninspiring in the work and the service that we do. Or then we pick out and choose our relationships. And you know, there are limits in our relationships. We need to be mindful of the kind of relationships, what are the relationships are we going to fuel. But we'll, we'll isolate ourselves. And we have isolated ourselves. My question to you is that, what is it? I was going to put everyone in the one hoop kind of thing, but that's not really possible. Let's do, I know, it's just, you do that. And if, I don't know if it's going to work. No one breathe on each other. And even if we did, the, you know, if this time with Jesus, just put your hands up there, mate, for me, thanks. If we took that seriously, it would revolutionise your life. Does that make sense? Can you see that? We hold things so separately, still, Despite the movement that we've had over the last, I don't know, a few years to say all of life is sacred. All of life is a gift from God. So my question to you as you think about these areas, you think about our rest and our Sabbath, as we think about our relationships, as we think about our work, what does it look like? What is Jesus actually saying to us about these areas? The two or three things that I need to give attention to that the Spirit is actually directing me towards. Because whatever we're doing at the moment might not actually be working that great. Some of us are in old patterns of behaviour and we go, oh, it's just the same thing. Yep, because you keep doing the same thing. Because <laughs> you're not willing to make a sacrifice. That's just the cold, hard reality of it. We're not willing to get up half an hour early. We're not willing to humble ourselves. We're not willing to consider what Jesus might actually be doing because we're so flat out doing what I want to do in the way that I want to do it, that we're missing these opportunities. We give these people a round of applause. Thanks, guys. Untangle yourselves. I hope that works to some extent. hope it gives you some image. See, what we often do... Yep, that'd be great. Yeah, perfect. Thanks. Careful with that. Thank you. What we often do is we come into prayer and the relationship with Jesus, the scripture and the silence, the solitude, our study of the scriptures, and, and, and it's a task to be ticked rather than a relationship that we carry or we walk in. And often the desires and the distractions and hassles inform our prayer, but we're told in Second Thessalonians, uh, 1 Thessalonians, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Keep coming to God. What might it look like for our prayer, our relationship with Jesus, being loved by God to inform anything else? 
Now, the reality about this, you can add this list. So you can see the care, study, and hospitality. Now, that might be, your hospitality might be um, a significant thing about relationships, but it might also be, or you might prefer it to be in your work. It's an expression of your serving. Or hospitality, uh, it might be something where you find rest, where you love having, you know, you get energised by having people in your home and, or taking them out for coffee and that gives you your energy. The, the care, the physical care, the emotional health, um, sorry, the physical body, care for physical body, you might, that might be something that actually you need to do really intentionally is restful. It might be, I'm going for a walk um, every day or, you know, a retreat. You know, one of the things that I'm trying to work on is to, that I actually go for a, a couple of days retreat or two to three day retreat once a year kind of thing, which is a new thing for me. Who are the, who are the companions for the journey in faith for me? How am I? So think about the two or three things that you want to do in each of these areas and how this will inform what is it that God is saying to us. Our desire is that we would delight in God and know God's delight in us. That we would delight in God and know God's delight in us. John 10, my sheep listen to my voice, I know them and they follow me. Second Corinthians 3, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate his glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord. And then in John 17, in the prayer of Jesus, I pray also for these, those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. Just go home and read that text again and wrap your head around that as a community of faith. Just that sentence in itself. May they also be in us. So may the people who are going to come and be in community as a representation of God the Father, may we be in them in relationship. May we delight in God the Father and Jesus the Son, the Holy Spirit, as he delights in us, so that the world may believe you have sent me. I'm sick of hearing stories of Christians behaving badly. Come on. I'm not saying necessarily in here, I'm just... (laughs) I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Let me just take a couple of extra minutes for you. You got a bit more time? (laughs) All right. So if I suggested to you this has got water in it, would you believe me? Thomas flinched. There is water in this one. Okay. Let's consider. Just want to, you know. I've got something in mind. Look, I honestly don't know if this will work for you or not, but, you know, I'm trying and maybe I'm giving you too much. But see, what we do, we get filled up. 
or we get to a point and that's, that's full and we go, well, that's my limit, yeah? And so because that's my limit, it kind of, you know, we've got a little bit left here, but, you know, I'm determining now, you nervous? Um, I'm determining that oh, I've got too much limit and it's because we stop allowing God to fill us. And then the other side of that is, because I didn't mark these, oops, I knew I'd do that. <clears throat> yeah, tiny water. That's what I figured. <clears throat> um, the other side of this, so if this was our serving or our ministry bucket, and so now we've emptied ourselves of all the limits, and then we all just feel worn out all the time. Somehow, we have to get to a space. And there's times where we do give a lot of energy. There's times in my week, you know, I look, sometimes I tell Andrea at the start of the week, I don't know how much I'm going to see you this week, babe. It's just, there's work that has to be done. There's appointments that have to be done. And people want to have conversations. You know, every now and then it happens. Um, weeks are busy. Got meetings to do, and sometimes that's over, overwhelming. But the reality is, oh, you'd think it wouldn't be that hard. That's got to, that's got to work itself out somewhere. And I... I'm not going to tell you we have to find a balance in it because some people will laugh at me about that. But that's actually about a rhythm. Sometimes my limits will be fairly heavy and pushed to the brink and other times the serving will be. But somehow I've got to find the rhythm in that where Christ orders all of my life. Because what will happen is we'll get to our limits and we won't even bring Christ in it. We'll just go, I'm so tired. Or I'm doing everything for Christ and we're actually becoming reckless and thoughtless and careless. So how do we work in such a way that we order all of our lives, our limits, our serving, our community, our relationships around Jesus? If you aren't setting the rule for your life, Something or someone else is. Who or what masters you? And what's the one step that the Spirit might be inviting you to take this week? And in that, I invite us just to pause in stillness and in quietness and hear from the heart of the Father. <clears throat>